0: And this ain't Monday Night Football. This is the Ringshows Podcast. we get with them. Hello, wrestling fans from all around the world and coast to coast. What's up? I'm the Webmaster Wade Needham here on the Ring Scoops Podcast. And you are listening to this on Ringscoops.com, anchor.fm slash ring scoops, and wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts, could be Google, could be Apple, could be all kinds of different places. Who knows? But I do know this. You are here on Ring Scoops. Yes, that's right. Again, the Webmaster Way Needham here. Um This episode of the Ring Scoops podcast going to talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble. That's right, the Royal Rumble. We're going to talk about the future. We're going to talk about one of the Royal Rumble winners. Maybe next week we'll talk about the other Royal Rumble winner. We'll dedicate um, a segment this week and next week to each respective Royal Rumble winner. Um, Some other things we're going to talk about. We're going to kind of go a little back in time to two different years. We're going to go back to 1991 and we're going to talk about a movie that came out in 1991 with arguably, especially at that time, the, the biggest name in professional wrestling. And with that same name in mind, we're going to travel to 1993 to kind of talk about an event that took place in the summer of 1993. That I consider to be a very um, big milestone for the history of the World Wrestling Federation, now known as the WWE. But without further ado, let's talk about this year's Royal Rumble, we'll talk about the present time, and then we'll kind of work our way back in time. We'll talk about the present, go to the 93 and then 91, and then we'll kind of curtail it back around. So last. Sunday. Oh, by the way, I'm recording this on Saturday, February 6th. It is 3.20 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it's been six days since the Royal Rumble. I apologize for not getting this um, this episode out, you know, earlier in the week. had a lot of things to, to worry about uh, outside of doing the podcast. Ring scoops is important to me, trust me. It takes priority over a lot of things, but there are a couple things that are priority over ring scoops and uh, had to take care of those. So there you go. Anyway, this is, this is it. This is my, my thoughts on the rumble. So it's been six days. So if my memory is a little cloudy on some of the stuff, please, please, please bear with me on this as my phone is going off as it always does when I hit record. Um, so the Royal rumble, it took place in the uh um Thunderdome with a virtual audience like all the other previous pay per views before this uh starting around SummerSlam time and um so yeah sorry I'm just I forgot to mute my phone and it just it 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 screwed up my whole momentum and my focus here. Anyway for the Royal Rumble Let's just run down the the results and kind of give my thoughts on this a little bit. So, in the pre-show, it was a tag team match for the Women's Tag Team Championship as Asuka and Charlotte defended against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And it was Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler that picked up the victory. They are the new Women's Tag Team Champions. Which is interesting. I mean... Don't get me wrong. I like the pairing of Oscar and Charlotte. It's a good team. Nia and Shayna. I wish they were, you know, doing their own separate things. But at the same time, at least they're doing something. They got the belts back. They're two time tag champs now. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Hopefully, they, you know, if they're going to continue them as a team, you know, they they ride into WrestleMania with the titles and they they put over, you know, a team like, uh, like maybe the Riot Squad or something. I think that they deserve a big WrestleMania win. If you're going to do that, Nia Jax and Shane will have to be unbeatable between now and WrestleMania, though. You have to make them be just unstoppable monsters, both in individual singles matches and tag team matches, just everywhere that you see these two. They have to be nonstop action. That's just my opinion. I thought it was a pretty good match, though. Um, for a pre-show match. They got some good time. They went a little over 10 minutes. The match that kicked off the actual Royal Rumble pay-per-view was for the WWE Championship as Drew McIntyre defended against Goldberg. match went 2 minutes, 32 seconds, and I had absolutely no problem with it. Goldberg and McIntyre told a hell of a story in the two and a half minutes that they were in the ring with each other. And Drew picked up a clean victory over Goldberg, and Goldberg was a very good sportsman, and issued out the handshake and, and you know, it was a nice little fairy tale ending there. It was what it was. Goldberg came back, we didn't have a long drawn out feud, the match didn't go too long, it needed to do what it needed to do, and that was to get Drew McIntyre over. Drew now has a clean victory over Bill Goldberg in twenty twenty one at the Royal Rumble. It's a hell of an accomplishment. So now Drew needs to move on. Drew needs something new in this year if he's going to continue to be on top with the championship, I think they might want to start looking towards some kind of a heel turn pretty soon. Maybe around WrestleMania time. I think it's in due time now. Uh, The next match was the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Now, I can't be completely fair in my critique of this match because I only got to see maybe a third of it. Uh, My internet was starting to screw up a little bit. I missed out on most of the match while I was streaming to the Chromecast out there in the living room, but uh, I did see the 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 ending of the match up. Sasha Banks defeated Carmella, retained the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, ten and a half minute match. From what I did see of it, looked good. Sasha is on on top. She's got the machine behind her. She's doing good things. Carmella has vastly improved in the ring. I was voice chatting with my buddy, the DA, during this pay-per-view, and he had told me many times that he was impressed with the work rate that Carmella has put out. He has not watched SmackDown or Carmella in quite some time. So it was interesting to see his critique and hear his critique of Carmella when he really hasn't seen her in the ring that much, probably in a good part of the year or maybe a year and a half, two years. So he saw more improvement out of her than I did, you know, because I see her somewhat you know on a weekly basis on TV. So it was cool that he noticed that. He he knew exactly what was going on. And uh Carmella is one of those competitors that I think by the end of this year she might have another run as the champion. Maybe over on Raw. I think Carmella would be kinda interesting to be over on Raw. Um I'm gonna have to rewatch that match though. Uh the next match. On the card was a 30-woman Royal Rumble match opportunity at the Women's Championship at WrestleMania 37. Um let's see how how can I even critique a Royal Rumble match? There's so many different ways you could do it. Um the order of entry. We got to see Bailey is number one, Naomi was number two. Um some surprise entrance. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart came out number five. I thought that was a very nice surprise. Jillian Hall came in as well. So sort did of Victoria. Uh, Santana Garrett was in the the Rumble match. We got to see Alicia Fox as well. Uh, I you know what? I'm on the fence of what happened with Alexa Bliss in the match. Absolutely loved it when she came out. She got a huge pop. Uh, who knows how much of it was canned, and who much, how much of it was actually piped in from. Uh, the people at home with their microphones on could have been a blend of both, but st- I just know this. I popped in sort of my buddy, the DA, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter popping for her. So uh, in the, in the time of the pandemic with no people in the crowd, that's a good way to, to garner what kind of reaction they get is from your peers and through social media and from what I can gather Alexa bliss guy, pop of the night with the exception of Bianca Belair, who was the winner. Of this year's women's Royal Rumble match. And Bianca Belair came in at number three. And had four eliminations. And she was in there for 56 minutes, 52 seconds. And I enjoyed seeing her win the Royal Rumble. The emotion that came out of her, Bianca Belair, was so genuine. It was, it was fun to watch. It was a great sight to see uh going in at number 3 defying the odds and I know there's a lot of people online that are very happy with her winning the the Royal Rumble match as well and uh I'm one of them I'm extremely happy well deserved well deserved this you know I think this this Royal Rumble match the women's match was probably the match I was the absolute most excited for on the entire card when watching this. That was very well put together. I would even argue to say that this year's women's Royal Rumble match is as close to a perfect Royal Rumble match that you can possibly get. I just... It's hard for me to find flaws. Like legitimate flaws out of this matchup here. Really, really solid Royal Rumble match by the women. So kudos to all the participants. Kudos to the producers that helped put together the Royal Rumble match. And kudos to the commentary team as well for top-notch commentary on that. Overall, a beautiful Royal Rumble matchup. The next match on the card was a last-man-standing match for the Universal Championship as Roman Reigns defended against Kevin Owens. Now, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I love this stuff going on with Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, the head of the table. You know, I just it, it's really good, the pairing of Paul Heyman. It's amazing. And, and don't get me wrong, Kevin Owens, oh, my God, great competitor. When people were hating on him, I was still liking what he was doing. But, I just didn't have huge expectations in this match going into it. Like, I knew they were going to tear it down a little bit. But, I wasn't overly excited for this match. This was like, definitely in the bottom of the barrel for me. But, after watching the match, it it, it, it beyond belief exceeded my expectations. I thought these guys did phenomenal out there. They did really good, hard work in this match. There were a couple small things that I could nitpick on, but I, I'm going to choose not to, uh, because in the overall scope of things, it just would have never made any sense if they, you know, if it had been fixed or whatnot. It didn't have a huge, you know, overbearing on if the match was good or not. It would still be a good match if these things didn't happen, or if they happened according to how they were supposed to. The outcome would have still been the same. The message they wanted us to send across would have still been the same without them. But Roman Reigns defeated Kevin Owens to retain the Universal Championship almost, almost by a hair, 25-minute mark. Good match. Very good match. Now we got the Men's Royal Rumble match. Opportunity, WrestleMania 37. Let's go over some of the, the entrance and surprises and whatnot. Uh, Edge was number one. Randy Orton was number two. It was interesting to see number eight. Carlito came back. Now that's cool. Carlo. Carlito. Carlito Caribbean Cool. Yeah, that's right. Carlito. Number eight. Surprise. Damien Priest, number 14, came in. Uh, we saw Kane come back as well, number 18. The Hurricane, number 23. And Christian, 24. Gave us one more match. <laughs> good stuff, man. Hey, you know what? Dominic Mysterio made his Royal Rumble debut as well. So, good stuff. Um, it was a really good, really good matchup. Good Royal Rumble. Um, I mean, it wasn't crap. It was far from the worst Royal Rumble that I've seen. It had a lot of really good surprises. The women's was definitely a lot better, in my opinion. But this was a solid Royal Rumble match. Edge, the number 1 entrant, lasted 1 hour and 32 seconds with 3 eliminations. Him and Randy Orton went all the way. They went all the way. Yep. Anyway, good stuff there. Edge, the winner of the men's Royal Rumble matchup. Yeah. And I got to say this. Overall, very solid pay-per-view, man. Very solid pay-per-view. Definitely go out of your way to watch it. Good stuff. Now, at the beginning of the program, I talked about how we were going to spend this week talking about one of the Royal Rumble winners. And next week, we'll talk about the other one. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Edge. Edge appeared on all the shows this week. The Royal Rumble, Raw, NXT, SmackDown. So that's a a huge deal. That's why I want to start off this week with talking a little bit about Edge. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw, okay? In the opening segment, the show opened up with Mike Rome welcoming Drew McIntyre to the ring to celebrate his victory over Goldberg. He spoke about a minute and whatnot, and the Edge finally came out. Uh, McIntyre showed him a lot of respect, but Edge said, You're doing it wrong, buddy. You're doing it wrong. Started running down what was wrong with him. All that stuff. They kind of had a thing going on, right? Edge was saying that McIntyre should look at him as a threat, not as a friend and whatnot. Sheamus came out. They had a little whole thing there. The the ultimate opportunist, right? That's what it really was. Um, Edge said that no matter who he chooses, he's going to walk out of WrestleMania with a title. And he left Sheamus and McIntyre in the ring to kind of do what they needed to do. Edge is... He's, he's good on the mic. Let's just be honest there. Right. He's good on the mic. And I'm not saying like this dude is like an iconic figure on the mic. He's not like the rock where you were, you absolutely remember lines and promos that he did, you know, the rock stone cold, John Cena, like those kind of guys. But Edge is one of those guys that when you put a mic in his hand and you tell him, go out there, and this is the message you want to get across, like he's going to knock it out of the ballpark. He's going to be effective. That's the right word to say. Edge is one of the most effective workers on the mic because he's going to get the job done. He gave a good performance, and he didn't reveal anything either. He kind of left us in limbo a little bit, right? So we're going to find out soon. Is Edge going to challenge the WWE champion on Raw at WrestleMania. It's one of the biggest things right there. Later on in the night, we saw the main event of Raw was Edge versus Randy Orton. And they, I thought that they put together a pretty solid match. And it looks like this was like the end of their feud finally. And, um, I got I, 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 enjoyed what they gave us the last 365 days or 366 days considering that we had Leap Year last year, right? Leap yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. So, it's it's good. Because now Orton can kind of move on again now and really put his focus on the whole Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss thing. And Edge cut a promo, teasing, going after Drew McIntyre. So now, let's go to NXT. So, Pete Dunn called out. Finn Balor at the start of NXT this week. Um, they got a, a challenge there: Pete Dunne, Finn Balor for takeover and whatnot. Edge came out, made his way to the ring. The uh, Rated R Superstar he looked pretty excited to be in the in a the ring there. At NXT said that he was a, a fan of the brand, always sees his his passion and all the superstars' eyes and whatnot and that NXT itself kind of helped him find his passion for wrestling again. And, uh, yeah, edge teased that he was going to use his, his title title shadow WrestleMania to challenge Balor, Right. But it, you know, he, he didn't actually challenge him. He just gave the big tease. And that's one of the biggest things going on right there. Um, very good, very effective. Like I mentioned before, edge is very effective on the mic. Very, very effective. It's a good worker. Uh, and he, he didn't necessarily, like, his appearance didn't have to, you know, it wasn't meant to put over Dunn or Balor. And I know, like, there's a lot of people talking about the ratings, and they're like, oh, Edge, not even a big enough name to to pop the audience or pop the ratings. I don't think necessarily that they put him on there to pop the ratings. I'm not saying that they that he, they didn't have that in their mind at one point. But I don't think that was the, the sole reason. I think the biggest reason is the, the trying to tell the story of Edge has been out of the game so long. Think about it. NXT wasn't necessarily around in the sense that we know NXT as when Edge had to retire. You got all these new fresh faces. So when Edge comes back to the WWE, it's almost like a whole new landscape and company across the entire board. It's not just Raw or Smack. We didn't even have the brand extension back then. They had ended it. So not only did he retire when it was a one brand nation, pretty much. Now he's back. The brand split is back again. There's Raw and there's SmackDown. And now there's NXT. So Edge is making the rounds. Edge is the ultimate opportunist. He is just playing it smart. Need to take a drink of water here. So please bear with me here. Okay. So now let's go to SmackDown last night, right? Roman Reigns. Flanked by Jay Uso and his advocate Paul Heyman. The head of the table, Roman Reigns. Kick off the show. And he wants edge. He wants Edge, and he ordered Edge to come out because he wants to know what's going on at WrestleMania. Edge did not come out, so Roman Reigns thinks that Edge thinks he's a fool. He wants to know why would you play games with me? It just I don't. You have to see it for it to make sense. Really, the whole promo, but. Edge denied Roman Reigns his request to appear. Which kind of made Roman crack a little bit, right? Roman has been dominating SmackDown. He's been getting his way. And he didn't get his way. So now we move on towards the end of the night. Right? So, Edge hits the ring... He's going to make his decision as to which champion he's going to challenge at WrestleMania because now he's, now he's officially been on all three brands this week. But before he could choose, Roman Reigns interrupts, makes his way out to the ring. He's got Uso and Heyman with him. And Edge immediately asks the Universal Champion if he's sweating already since he got back up, right? So Roman says, Ooh, I'll meet you back at the bus. I got this. And uh, Reigns proceeds to say that you disrespected me. Therefore, you disrespected my family. You know, he ordered Edge to acknowledge him as the main event of WrestleMania. Um, But before Edge could even respond, Kevin Owens came out of nowhere and hit a stunner on Roman Reigns. Close out the show. So we got two WrestleMania announcements that they were teased on SmackDown and they weren't really delivered, and I've got no problem with that because we still got a lot of time between now and WrestleMania. Roman Reigns was great again. Edge did a great job as the master manipulator. I thought it was just overall well done. We might see another Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens match. I think what's the uh, the the next pay per view? I think it's um, is it Fast Lane or is it Elimination Chamber? i I can't remember is it Monaco or Monaco anyway, they're dead all right, so I know cheesy, very cheesy all right, so anyway that's so I think they're doing a really good job of putting over the the idea of edge is just looking across the board at everything he can do i think they're they did a phenomenal job this week. edge looked like a major player um. When he came back last year and then the pandemic hit and we were kind of screwed on, you know, the live audience reactions to Edge and whatnot. And his comeback was kind of kind of hindered by that. But then, you know, they had the match in the summertime. He got injured. So we had a lot of time off. So they're really making up for this now, too. by having edge just show up everywhere. And he is the ultimate opportunist. So it kind of fits his character as well. The landscape has changed. He's looking at every single thing because he just he's having a he's having he's like a kid locked in a candy store right now. He's just having fun. And I'm digging this. He's playing games. He's he's not he's not just diving right in. He's he's figuring things out. He's putting his, his toe in the water to see what the temperature is like, seeing what part of the pool that he wants to go swimming in. And I like that. We're making rice here, right? bring it to a boil. Then you put the rice in, you cover it, bring it to a simmer, and you let it cook over time. That's what they're doing with Edge. And I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So now, let's jump into the time machine here, huh? So we are going to go back to 1993, the King of the Ring. Here's a little bit of background behind the King of the Ring in 93, right? So, WWE's held several King of the Ring tournaments in previous years, but it was never a pay-per-view until 1993. Uh, the event featured the King of the Ring tournament and three other matches as well. Here's some of the storylines. Um, the like One of the biggest ones was uh, the championship match between Yokozuna and, and champion Hulk Hogan. So, at WrestleMania 9... Bret Hart dropped the world title to Yokozuna. And then immediately afterwards, Hulk Hogan came out and uh, challenged, or well, Mr. Fuji challenged Hogan to the match, right? And Hogan, you know, accepted it and whatnot. Uh, Hogan dropped uh, Yokozuna, hit the leg drop on him, one, two, three. Now, the original plan for this was that um, Hogan was supposed to lose the title to Bret Hart, but then he changed his mind. Hogan did. And he didn't want to lose to Hart. Didn't want to lose to Brett. So he, there was a compromise, right? That allowed him to face Yokozuna in a rematch with the King of the Ring. But then Hogan said, this is not going to work for me, brother. He doesn't want to be pinned clean. He insisted on a storyline where there would be outside interference. So because of all that stuff going on too, right? In the King of the Ring tournament, everybody had their qualifying matches. Brett Hart was actually given a bye. Didn't have to do a qualifying match. So that was kind of a reward for him as well. Uh, Hogan playing politics. He was going to drop the belt, but he wasn't going to do it clean. Which really made no sense. I mean, it's Yokozuna, man. Think about what Yoko did up to that point. It would have made a lot of sense. And it would have been very logical to lose that belt cleanly. But he didn't do it. So, we had a tournament. And the tournament finals... Well, not finals, but... I don't want to go over like all of the uh, matches in the tournament because the TV matches, there's just a lot of them. But anyway, the, the show opened up with Bret Hart and Razor Ramon. The quarterfinal matches, they had 15-minute time limits. Semifinals, I think, had 30. And then the finals, had I think, had, a, had an hour. Um, I, when I was a kid and I watched this pay-per-view, I was just amazed. I I, I loved this pay-per-view. The concept of a, a single-night tournament. Then you also had Hulk Hogan. I mean, got to think. I was a kid, all right. I was uh, nine, going on ten. I was a big Hulkamaniac. I didn't understand the inner workings of wrestling, especially, you know, when it comes to like politics and whatnot, right? So, like, a lot of that was just very foreign to me. But as a kid, I'm like, wow, we got this big tournament. Bret Hart, one of my favorites, is in it. Mister Perfect. We got Tatanka. Then we got Yoko and Hulk Hogan. Uh, This is going to be great, man. Crush and Shawn Michaels are going to have it. Like, this was a really good pay-per-view as a kid to watch. But anyway, going to the opening round. uh, Bret Hart and Razor Ramon kick-started the show. I thought it was a solid match. They went um, 10 minutes. And Bret Hart defeated Razor Ramon. It was a rematch, too, from uh, the Royal Rumble. They had a title match. Uh, The next match, Mr. Perfect defeated Mr. Hughes with Harvey Whippleman by disqualification. So in the semifinals, we're going to see Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Which was, at that time, like, a really good build for these guys. I mean, they had a solid match, what, in SummerSlam 91 for the Intercontinental title. Bret is established now, by this time, as a former world champion. Mr. Perfect really getting a nice push in 93. And we knew that this was, even as a kid, we knew this was going to be a match that's just going to tear it down. Especially both of them being baby faces too. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Hacksaw Jim Duggan in another uh, quarterfinal match. Then we saw Lex Luger and Tatanka go to a time limit draw, which means that Bam Bam Bigelow now has a, a bye straight to the finals. Uh, the next match, we saw Bret Hart defeat Mr. Perfect. That went 18 minutes, 56 seconds. Phenomenal matchup absolutely phenomenal matchup. Go back and watch that match for sure. Watch all the matches with Bret Hart on this. This was Bret's night. This was one of the the times that Bret really got showcased big time. Then we got the championship match. Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji defeated Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart. This was the um, This was interesting, man. This was uh, very very interesting. So, the finish: Harvey Whippleman, disguised as a, a photographer, right, jumps onto the apron, and the camera explodes in Hulk Hogan's face. Yokozuna then knocked him down, performed a leg drop, got the uh, got the one two three, got the championship. Then Yokozuna pulled him in the corner and hit a bonsai drop on Hulk Hogan. And this was uh this was Hulk Hogan's final pay-per-view appearance for the company up until no way out two thousand two. So there's your little outside interference, and then Yokozuna hits the bonsai drop afterwards. And, you know, it's kind of interesting here too, right? He's gonna hit the bonsai drop, but it wasn't in the match, it was after the match. What got the win was a leg drop. I don't know if that was like symbolic because of you know WrestleMania nine. Yoko dropped the belt to Hogan with the leg drop. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, not that long of a match. 13 minutes. I guess for that time with Hulk Hogan in the match, kind of long. So eight man tag team match Steiner brothers and smoking guns defeated money Inc. and the head shrinkers Uh, intercontinental title match. Shawn Michaels with diesel defeated crush decent match. And the main event was the finals of the King of the Ring. Uh, Bret Hart defeated Bam Bam Bigelow. And during the coronation, Bret Hart was confronted by Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler attacked Bret Hart, hit him with the scepter and the throne and whatnot. And uh, as the pay per view went off the air, Bret Hart was lying on the ground, unable to fight back. So you think about this, very effective, right? A lot of things happened here. Bret Hart showcased in one of the most unbelievable performances of his life. Beating Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect, Bam Bam Bigelow in one night, where Bam Bam had a a pass into the finals. After beating Jim Duggan in a five-minute match, too, right? So he's just fresh beyond belief. Then you have Hulk Hogan in his final pay-per-view match for the company for the next nine years. Yokozuna gets the belt back. It's like out with the old, in with the new, the new generation. Like, you know, all right. People always say Canadian stampede was like the explosion. That was the event right there. Boom. That really signified. This is the beginning of the attitude era. I credit King of the ring as this is the beginning of the new generation. Hacksaw Jim Duggan took a loss, he's out. Boom. Hulk Hogan took a loss, boom, he's out. You got Bret Hart showcased in such a a great role in this, this matchup here. Then you had Shawn Michaels versus Crush, the Intercontinental title. Crush and Shawn Michaels went on after a Hulk Hogan match and the WWF Championship. Think about that. Did you ever think, in the 90s, Shawn Michaels would be in a match higher on the card than Hulk Hogan? So, I thought it was a really good match. Or a good event, overall. Really, really solid. Hey, we're going a little longer than I usually go on these solo shows. I usually try to go about 25, 30 minutes. We're at 35 minutes, so I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick. We're going to take another rewind here. We're going to go back in time again. All right, so the year is 1991. And there was a movie that cost 11 million dollars to make but only made 8 million in the box office. Distributed by New Line Cinema, starring Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd and Shelley Duvall. Mhm. Oh man, I had to thank for Shelley Duvall way back in the day. Um, but yes. So, this, this movie, a little trivia here. Suburban Commando. It was actually originally intended for Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. When, um, you know, they, they opted to make Twins. This script was brought up. But then it became the follow-up for Hulk Hogan after No Holds Barred. But this was supposed to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito. I would have loved to have seen those two guys. Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd, I think they had really good chemistry on, on, on camera though. Um very cheesy, very, very freaking cheesy movie here. But um the plot is very easy. Uh so Shep Ramsey played by Hulk Hogan, he's on a mission, you know, to capture uh General Souter. Uh, then all kinds of stuff goes on, the very cheesy opening thing, like space balls, like, right? Where they're just ripping off and over-exaggerating a lot of these sci-fi things from, like, Star Wars and Star Trek and different, you know, outer space sci-fi things. Uh, Suitor transforms into, like, some kind of, like, sea creature character or whatnot, and Hulk Hogan's character escapes, and his ship almost blows up. Uh, Hogan gets orders to recharge his ship on earth. It's going to take six weeks. He's pissed off, but he does it anyway. Uh, and that's where he moves into like the guest house at Christopher Lloyd's house and Christopher Lloyd spies on him because he's very, you know, paranoid sets off a, a signal, a, a homing signal, two bounty hunters show up, one played by the undertaker. You're a dead man, Ramsey. <laughs> And then uh general souter shows back up and there's this the big showdown and whatnot. And then um ultimately Shep leaves Earth with the bounty hunter ship and with the receptionist from uh Christopher Lloyd's um place of work, which the boss of Christopher Lloyd in that movie played by the, the legendary Larry Miller. If you if he's probably one of those guys, if you hear his name, you probably wouldn't know who he is if you saw him, you'd be like, oh, I've seen that dude in a shit ton of movies. Larry Miller, man. Let's talk about Larry Miller for a minute real quick, right? This dude plays a perfect skis ball, perfect slime. You just want to punch him. He's, he's he, he was in The Nutty Professor. He was the dean in The Nutty Professor. That guy. He played the dad in uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Different role form in that movie, but still, he had a lot of uh, funny quirks about himself in that character. Larry Miller, man, all-time great. I think he's a national treasure, in my opinion. Great actor. Great actor. But I recently watched this movie again with uh, my buddies, the DA and Blade. And it was uh, DA's first time ever watching this movie. And it was great to get his reaction to a lot of the scenes. Like we said, it's a cheese fest. And it was just great. Because it was just over the top. DA was like, what the fuck am I watching? I don't know what the hell is going on. But at the same time, I think he liked it. I think he liked it a lot. We watched Mr. Nanny recently, too. Going back to 93. Hulk Hogan, too. But... If anybody out there has not seen Suburban Commando... And if you do, like, what... A couple of friends and I, we would do a long time ago. We'd have Bad Movie Night. We would intentionally watch a movie that was really bad but we'd have fun with it at the same time Um, we had a a lot of fun watching movies like this like Suburban Commando it is it's a horrible movie but in a good way it's just fun to watch it's just hard to explain just give it a chance just trust me Just, just give it a chance I think you guys will like it I really do I really do. Alright. I think that's gonna do it for this week's podcast here, this week's Ring Scoops Podcast. I wanna thank everybody out there for tuning into the podcast this week. Much appreciation. Don't forget you can check out Ring Scoops on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, all of those platforms at ring scoops so make sure you check that out we're, uh, we're doing a lot of content over on tiktok now too so give that a, a, a give that a, a check out more than just wrestling we're doing all kinds of stuff we're doing like tiktok challenges tiktok trends we're just having fun over there twitch.tv slash ring scoops as well for all the live ring scoops content prowrestlingtees.com slash ring scoops for all your ring scoops merchandise And that's about it right there. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, and don't forget this coming week, I'm going to be streaming live from Las Vegas on Twitch. So make sure you check that out this coming Tuesday and Wednesday, live in Las Vegas. It's Twitch. It's Ring Scoops. It'll be live. The webmaster up and down the strip. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I'm the webmaster Wade Needham. Say thank you. Good night. And be cool.